This episode of Core Lords is brought to you by our pals at Better Beer. Now, Better Beer is the brainchild of Aussie comedians Matt Ford and Jack Steele, also known as the Inspired Unemployed, and Nick Cogger, a health-conscious drink enthusiast, publican, and the founder of the Torquay Beverage Co. They wanted to create a beer that they thought was missing from the market, and that they did. Over the past few years, like many health-conscious Aussies, they were on the hunt for a new beer that was better all round and still held up in quality and taste. They don't take themselves too seriously, but when it comes to brewing beer, they take it bloody seriously. So they got together, they created Better Beer Co, and uh, they brewed their first beer in New South Wales. Uh, now they've got a range, uh, the Zero Elk, the Ginger Beer, and they've just released a new one, the Arvo Ale. Arvo Ale has zero sugar and only 96 calories per can. You can check the nutritional info at betterbeer.com.au or even better, order a slab from the same website. Better beer, mate. It's that good. Get in behind it. Rip into some beer that makes you feel good about yourself. Responsibly. Ain't That Swell presents... Today we are joined by one of the Sunny Coast's great slab shamans and indeed one of Australia and the world even's great slab shamans and also what I kind of forgot in this guy's career is just how much of an intrepid surf adventurer he was like right up there with the greats man like up there with your Travis Potters your Peter Troy's your Martin Daly's uh, I mean, Andrew Mooney went to the furthest reaches of the Indonesian archipelago and discovered both some glorious things and some absolutely heinous things. Uh, he's also responsible for you know some of the greatest waves ever ridden in the archipelago, and uh, yeah, just lived a, a really honest surfing existence where he chased his dreams, put his time in. And uh, earned the respect of pretty well everyone from his generation. Uh, he was front and center for some of the most psycho toe slab sessions too. Um, I, I love this chat. I, I, I just thought that he's really one of the unsung heroes of Australian surfing from the, the early to mid-noughts. So stay tuned for some of the wildest surf adventures you're ever likely to hear. We pick up the chat talking about the great Seneco shaper, Bill Cilia. And ended up, uh, yeah, ended up back on his board, sort of, uh, about 20 years old, something like that. And, um, yeah, it was great. I mean, like, his his factory was just down the road, so I could pretty much just walk or ride a bike down the road and um, uh, would spend tons of time in the bay. And, yeah, had had some amazing boards and light heat too. Just, just hours in the bay just talking shit about whatever's going on, you know. Amazing. The great Bill Cilia. Uh, the recording just kicked in while we were chatting. I thought it was already on. But uh, yeah, so I mean, Bill nurtured heaps of talent eh, through the zone. Like uh, pretty sure Ace was riding his boards to begin with uh, yeah, and he's, many others. He's the guy. Yeah, I feel like he's been around that long. But if you track backwards, I mean, there's like uh, Ace, Dave Nelson, uh, um like Bryce Ellis, 
Oh, tons of guys done it. Mark Sainsbury, tons of, and tons of local guys. Tons of amazing, you know, um, Sam Chell, um, probably see Leno, Leno Chelly's son around a bit now. Um, and you know, anyone who anyone who was half decent was riding his boards in the Central Coast. Like everyone was on, him. yeah. And were you able to apply uh, the lessons learned from him to to your shaping business? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, yeah. So some guys bought the brand, and then I, I was sort of coming on as a shaper, um, but I don't think Bill was that into it. So he he I remember him poking me in the chest saying, Why the fuck am I gonna teach you how to shake? What's in it for me? You know, I'm like, whoa, like pretty staunch, you know, like got up wow. in the Yeah, I was like, fuck, I fell on the spot. I was like, Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. It makes <laughs> um, a good point. For you, you know, for your legacy to live on or whatever, or I, I don't know. <laughs> I was on the spot. But um but you know, all that time in the bay watching him, his techniques and things and I was always pretty obsessed with boards as I was younger, you know, always picking the eyes out of everything I got and thinking, oh, it should be thinner here and more rocker there and all that kind of stuff. Um, but wasn't hands-on. And then sort of after a few years of sort of um, going head first into it and running my own factories and stuff, we really started connecting and sort of talking more design and stuff like that. But it's sort of even before Bill... Um, there was a few guys I'd talked to flat out. Rod Hocker, um, a guy from uh, Coffs area, passed away now though. But I think Fisher and Tom Carroll's book, someone told me that Tom said the best boy he's ever had was from him. Wow. Yeah. And uh, another guy, uh, Wiz, who's passed away now as well. Um, um, I think Nev's just got behind, Nev Hyman's just got behind his old brand, um, Hard Dark. So he's doing all these like um <coughs> like uh <coughs> uh finless kind of stuff. Crazy spaceship looking <coughs> looking boards, yeah. But um he was right into all the hydrodynamics and stuff like that. So we'd talk for hours about, you know, concaves and waking water up and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah. That's that crazy, was, man. That's like you know? Yeah, that's some mad professor shit. That's like uh there's things happening underneath surfboards in the displacement of water and the, the contours of the bottom. It, it's like, it's far beyond the realm of the layman, put it that way. Yeah. 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 I've spent well, so many nights dreaming about it, you know, but yeah, all those things like you got to wake the water up and even heaps of stuff with Bill as well about lift in the board and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. It had some good help. And I'll, good yeah. Where's Serpent Sleds at at the moment? Like, uh, I've seen your boards getting around. Who, who's been riding them, like, uh, that's kind of in that elite realm? Yeah, so we've just got Creed on a couple. Um, Creed McTaggart, yeah, and he seems really stoked with them, which is pretty cool. So I kind of, I just started to feel ready, and I was just, like, went straight for him, actually. Um, just by chance, we are kind of talking on Instagram, and I was asking him what he's doing, and I think Dahlberg was slowing, slowing things down a bit as well at the same time. So it was all kind of perfect, even though he's still riding both. I think he still gets a few off Luke Short as well. But, um, but yeah, the feedback from him has been really good. One, one board, he was sort of saying he's a magic board. And, um, and then there's local guys here, Wade Clemens, um, Jackson Coffey, he's been on them for a long time. Um, uh, another young guy, Joel Barry from here, actually. He's 
going pretty hard, chasing some slabs and stuff and some pretty wild photos of him popping up. So, um, yeah, and even the mullet lord, Dan Brown, <laughs> he's been getting a few and riding all the slabs on him. So, so yeah, getting good feedback from, from all angles um, and, and lots of, you know, getting tested out everywhere, which is great. Epic. Well, let's get into your story a bit, man. Like, um, tell us a bit about where you grew up and, you know, just what your folks did for living, that kind of stuff. Give us a bit of the, the background to the Mooney clan. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess I only ended up on the coast, um, cause my uncle's living here and my parents split up. My mum bailed out this way to the central coast, um, where her brother was. Um, and then I guess, my younger brother and I, two years younger, we were sort of going back and forth, school holidays out in the country, and um, otherwise we were just at the beach, you know, bodyboards and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, sort of started surfing about, I think I got a board about 12 years old and, and sort of really took me about a year to sort of be able to stand up, really. Because I got a board from Bill. It was only it was 5'5 five five by like 17 wide. So that was a board I learnt on. Mm. Yeah, so it was it was hard, you know. Was, yeah, the inverse yeah. of how it's meant to work, with, which is like a, I don't know, yeah. six, seven single fin or something. Yeah, exactly. So for like a year, I'm like, fuck, this is so hard. Like this, this tiny little board, I only realized, only talking to my partner the other day, he's like, what, you learnt on that? You know, and, and the penny dropped. So, yeah, it took me about a year to stand up and then um, and then didn't look back, I guess. It was just success, yeah. But, uh, yeah, then just grew up on the Central Coast mainly and uh lived in a few other places but mainly back here there's plenty of world-class slabs in that zone and and plenty of world-class slab surfers uh i mean and that that became the the kind of signature of your career moving forward when did you get the bug for surfing waves that could rip your head off and shit down your throat yeah i guess um i guess growing up at mcmaster's beach there's like a ledge off the front we call it cave um, usually a bit of a burger, but, you know, you get the right swell. Like, well, it's pretty heavy takeoff. you got to really put yourself in the zone and, and go for it. So, um, uh, yeah, on the good days, actually, you can be a good barrel as well. But um, I guess I was lucky enough there was Don Wills and uh, Clayton Monkey James were two guys who were just that bit older than me, and they sort of took me under their wing. All, all kinds of crazy shit. They'd put put me and my brother and mates through all these like um oh like training things you know to prove ourselves and all that like jumping out of buildings and catching trees and all, all you know all kinds of weird shit um but yeah they started dragging me out there um on my five five yeah so they were on like proper guns and everything and uh that was my first taste of like chunky ocean um just sitting wide and thinking every step was going to break on my head. I'd never had experience of such a big trough in between waves in my life before. So I guess it was those guys, you know, if, if they weren't dragging me out there in the ocean, we would like making me jump six spins in a row off jump ramps and all kinds of stuff. We'd go training at, um, court level eight at the local train station there at Gosford eight levels and had like the down ramp. So we'd link all the down ramps and then, the training was you race to the bottom and then you run up the eight flights of stairs and then just just do it till you can't do it anymore, pretty much. Wow, so pretty classic growing up with those guys. Like they're they pretty left field, you know. Um, 
But then, uh, yeah, then then Dom got in my ear to go up and surf the zone. And, uh, and I guess that was it, the first session out there. It was, it was pretty big. It was only, only Dom and I out there. It was a good eight foot. Wow. And, uh, and I guess I just saw an entry into a couple of bombs and just, yeah, that was it. Once I had that vision, I sort of didn't look back. So, yeah, then that ended up like chip turns and just whatever else I could get close to, yeah. Yeah, that's wild, man. The zone is, uh, well, yeah, you'd be hard-pressed calling it user-friendly. That fish, That's for sure. The thickness of the joint is amazing. Uh, growing yeah, up, I had a, a picture of Bullet McKenzie on my wall for years of just a gurgling, yeah. boiled-up death slab at the zone. It was like, yeah, it kind of blew me out once I realized, uh, you know, there was a crew of surfers from the zone that, or from the local yeah. area that would surf the zone, yourself, Jughead, uh, yeah. Dom, I guess, Rodent, some of these guys like, and man, it's, uh, takes some serious cojones and, and technical ability. Uh, how old were you when you first uh, started surfing that with Dom and, and did it, was that the launching pad for your career? Yeah, pretty much. I was probably, well, 17, something like that. 16, 17, I'd, I'd say. Um, funny you say Steve Bullet McKenzie, hey. Mm. There's a reef, um, like I grew up at McMaster's Beach and then you've got the um, National Park and then you've got buggery just waving there. Pretty, not really user-friendly either. But, um, but I remember Bullet was there. He was, you know, I was that was kind of the first reef I was chasing. And uh, Bullet was just down there by himself. You know, he's walking through the, you gotta walk, you know, forty minutes through the national park kind of thing and down a cliff, like down this dodgy old rope and um he'd just be out there by himself, eh? Hey? Crazy. That's no wild. Or anything, just yeah, yeah. No no yeah. cameras, no nothing, just uh just the thirst yeah. for the vision. Just for the love of it, eh? Um, so iconic. Yeah, yeah. So he it's funny he said said his name because he was pretty you know a bit of an icon for me growing up you know even like i was bodyboarding first and then then started surfing you know but but never really bodyboarded the slab yeah but um yeah it's funny about the zone too um another so i've had sponsors and things before but i was in between companies and um and one day slater and noodles were out there and it was cooking like you know i'd I'd actually been out to the, we had the long weekend tropo that so was the Easter Monday and I'd been out till like five in the morning. And then, uh, yeah, Kelly Smith, um, surf photographer knocked on the door and dragged me out of bed. And, and anyway, we got there and, and just seeing this guy drop into a wave, bald guy, you know, like, that looks like Kelly Slater, right? Pretty sure that's Slater, you know? And, uh, anyway, just pulled up on the rocks and saw him get another one and just, I just started fizzing. I'm like, fuck, I'm out there, you know. Just put this this big kick up the ass, you know, to get my shit together. And uh, I think it was only here. It wasn't many people surfing and then, like, heaps of bullets. Heaps of bullets were kind of chasing at this time. And, uh, yeah, I was just fizzing, just paddling to the top of the pack every time and, you know, just being pretty rude. But sort of I can't really take off where the bullets take off as well you know well jug and dom seem to all the time but um i like to chip in behind it and uh anyway so i was trying i was talking with quicksilver for you know maybe three or four months before that and they're 
it's sort of like in between contract signing, you know, mid year sort of thing. And uh, apparently that like after the session, Slater went back and talked to Quicksilver, and then they rang me straight away and said, "All right, we're going to give you uh, three months, I think." It was like trial period, X amount of dollars and show us what you can do. So funny enough, it was that way really that sort of initiated that sort of back half of my career. Well, wow, yeah. that's amazing, man. Yeah, and, and give us a bit of a, an insight into how the wave functions for, you know, those people who haven't surfed it or, or laid eyes on it. Yeah, so it's like pretty fucking heavy, eh? It's mm. pretty hard pretty hard to get into and it's sort of you know, it's got too much ease. It just kind of like steps out and and um, it becomes really hard to get into. It goes like really square sort of down the end section. But it's deep water all around. So it's quite a small little pad. Um, and with the, with the right direction, sort of a southeast direction, it will give you a chip in and then all the meat can sort of move down to the right spot. So you can sort of, it, it drains really hard. So it gives you this little tiny stuff, standing ride, tiny little board. So you can sit under that and get up and then all the meat ends up coming over the top of it. And, uh, and, it, and it sort of bends and wraps around and gets this little weird little lip called the claw sort of like comes out mid barrel and that sort of folds and then like flicks around. So you sort of see the claw and you go around this corner and, um, and just cause the way it bends and sort of slingshots you through, you can just, you can be so deep and you can sort of, pull in behind the lit curtain landing and, and hop over it the way it bends around and shoots you out of it. Yeah. Oh like, man. It may really makes like ours look easy and perfect, you know? Yeah. Really surfable. Yeah. That's a great description, man. Uh, and what happens if you get it wrong out there? Uh, if you take off, if you get in the barrel, you're all right. You know, if you get off the bottom and, and sort of, um, straighten up with it you're all right it fills up enough but if you sort of pearl the takeoff nose dive and go straight over you it's pretty rare that you don't hit the bottom it's pretty shallow yeah you see, you're seeing some crew get really lit up out there like uh hospitalized yeah. or any bad injuries yeah not not when i've been there but i've heard of a couple a couple of bodyboarders breaking their back and stuff like that um but i mean then i've just watched dom and dom and jug just be in the wrong spot halfway out and they just swing and go if it's a huge set no one's on it they're just doing it to catch the set you know crazy crazy dom wills yeah. is a wild man yeah and and jug to two of the greats yeah yeah more often than not they're making them or they're or they're getting to the bottom and pulling up and nearly making it like just crazy stuff eh? just defying what my brain thinks is possible you know yeah yeah man fuck uh Crazy talents, man. Yeah, their read in, in gurgling, bubbling, uh, barely surfable slabs is second to none on the planet. Eh? They're like right up there with, with the best to ever do it, especially yeah, at that think, spot. Yeah, you're right. They've got the skills and they've also got this crazy switch too that just once it once it switches, they're, they're just on. They're just going, you know, no matter what. Yeah, and it's a rare skill set too, man. Just the ability to to stand up and ride waves that are, you know, generally for boogers. Like it's it's a, a rare skill set and uh, underrated and often undervalued by the surf industry. That skill set, I reckon. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I think it's also so appreciated too. Like, look at Cape Fear in Sydney and 
and that sort of stuff. Like, you know, all the eyes are going to that instead of the Fiji comp. And mm. you know, so I think, I think people appreciate it. And you see, I, don't know, I was just watching Nate Florence in, in Ireland. I think it was that one he backdoored and. Oh, that thing's. Noble. How is that thing? Yeah, amazing. Yeah. What are you seeing when you, when you see something like that? Oh, Envious, to be honest. <laughs> Envious of his travel budget, eh? So, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you used to have a travel budget that was, uh, you know, fairly plump. Yeah. Uh, back in the, the heyday, man. And, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. let, let's get into it because it's, it's an incredible career in terms of some of the places you visited and uh, Indonesia in particular. You know, you've had a long and fairly complicated um, history of that place, which we'll get to in a bit. But yeah, let's start with your, your first trip there, man, uh, which I understand was cosmic in the extreme. Can you can you talk yeah. us through what went down? Yeah. Well, yeah, it was my first time. So I'd never been there before. So I didn't know what what I was getting into or where to go or anything, you know. And, um, and uh, so Mick Short rang me, said there's this, there's this donk swell hitting Indo. Like it's going to be gigantic, you know, like, well of the last five years kind of thing and um all right yeah when do i need to get there all that stuff and check the charts and book the flight so we we're going to meet at like 10 o'clock um shorty coming from perth and i'm coming over from sydney um so we're going to meet at 10 p.m and anyway i got there and waited till like one in the morning you know there's these guys heck on me come and come and stay at this place stay at this place and i'm just i think i was only maybe 18 and uh massage massage Jig-a-jig. yeah yeah all that stuff yeah yeah and uh anyway it got to after one in the morning and i was like fuck this he's, he's not coming you know and uh i didn't i probably could have just went inside and asked what happened to his flight or whatever but i just sat outside just waiting to see him you know and uh anyway got a cab back to some place stayed there and woke up in the morning and i was i was kind of riddled with anxiety to be honest i woke up some like where am I? I got no transport. I don't know where to go, and and probably more anxious because I knew this this was the day for the waves. You know, I'm thinking, fuck, where do, where am I going to go? Um, I don't want to miss this swell kind of thing. And uh, so I remember I laid in bed for like half an hour and said, fuck it, I gotta I gotta go sort it out. I'm gonna go do something. And uh, went to the guys at the reception and said, look, I need a I need a bike. I need to get around and tell me how to get to Uluwatu. So that's like the only wave I knew in Bali, you know, it was Ulu. So, so I'm like, Uluwatu got this dodgy map drawn and uh, and just rode the bike and just asked Uluwatu, every satellite, Uluwatu, that way, that way, that way, you know. And uh, finally got there, it was maybe like 10 in the morning. And um, and I yeah got to like the top and looked down and I'm like, it's cooking, you know, not one person out. So I'm thinking like, I'm like, it looks like it's six to eight foot and just offshore. I'm like, it's fucking firing. There's no one on the whole reef, you know. And I've got this um, brand new six to eight from Bill Celia that ended up just being this magic board. And uh, so I asked this guy, this American guy, and he's chick with him. I was like, how do I get down there to surf? And he's like, oh, it's pretty big. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, six to eight foot, it looks, it looks fun as. And, it, and, um, I'm like, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I'm pretty keen to surf. He goes, well, I'll show you how to get down if you're going to paddle out. I was like, yeah, yeah, all right. No worries. I'm thinking, this is so weird. It's like six foot and perfect. 
And um, anyway, I get ready and start walking down and there's like 50 to 80 people following me down the stairs. And I'm thinking, what what the fuck's going on here? You know, like, it's, this is so weird. Everyone's following me to surf. Just this bizarre experience. And um, and actually all these all these old ladies and stuff are going, Nirvana, Nirvana surfboards, you know, the Nirvana logo. They're going Bryce Ellis and saying all these old school names. No way. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I'm tripping, just like feeling so welcome, but then so wigged out while these people are following me, you know? Wow. And um, yeah, just just feeling really grateful. I had a Nirvana and like was just connecting with all these people downstairs uh, on the way down. And uh, I get close to the cave and start seeing the waves, and I'm like, "Fuck, it's dead set twenty foot out there! Like, like it's huge, hey!" And um, and wigging out, I'm like, "I've only got this like six eight by eighteen eighteen and a quarter wide or whatever it was, two and a quarter thick." And uh. What's happening, Shorty? By the way, where? Yeah, I think he's just building over in WA. Just no, no, like uh, during oh, this right time. Yeah, no, like uh, yeah, when you when you were on that that so journey, I'll, like I'll come to that. I'll okay, come to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so anyway, I'm too scared to walk back up the stairs. I'm like, fuck, there's like a hundred people following me, and the and the group's got bigger and bigger. You know, as we got to the bottom, so it's like, well, some crazy guy's going to go out. And I uh, looked down the stairs at the cave and all this whitewash is just like coming up and up the stairs and like it's like chunky whitewash coming up in there, you know. And uh, this American guy goes, you just walk down the stairs and paddle out there. I'm like, yeah, right, okay. And uh, we got down the stairs a bit and I started to be on the level of the ocean going like, holy shit, like it's big. And uh, anyway, just just went for it, waited for my moment, jumped in the wash and then end up in front of this right hander like i guess it's behind padang padang um so i got as i jumped in i got washed across that bay and i was kind of cruising across the bay and then realized i was in front of this like 15 20 foot right what i didn't ever yeah. know there was a wave there yeah well like i don't know I've, I've never really been back there since so so like there's padang and it's like out and into the channel from padang or, well, or next to like the end of ulu and from memory, I don't know it very well because I've only really surfed it this one time. Um, so the end of all those, then there was like some kind of cliffy kind of bay. Mm. And then the back of, I guess, Padang or, or where that cliffy bay went out, like the bay at the end of all those was like these giant rights. Wow. So I was like, yeah. So I freaked out. I was like, holy shit, I'm not even going to get out. Well, I was like, these things are about laying on my head because there was some kind of drag going towards Padang. You know, so I had to hit the gas and ducked over like three twenty footers in a row, just sort of got over them and then just got through, had to duck over the third one and, and lucky there was another one. And anyway, end up paddling out and I remember having to paddle like it felt like a kilometre back to Ulu's or outside corner to get the wave. That's where I sort of ended up on my trajectory to get out there. And then um <clears throat> and then surf for like five or six hours and probably four hours on my own. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, and this this board was just magic. I was I was really having to like chip in and get in the right spot and and all that because I didn't have the paddle power. But uh, yeah, this board is just like snowboarding. Just just the most magic feeling board, and just had this huge canvas just to just carve, you know. And uh, and then I yeah later um Andy Campbell came out and some other guy, not sure who it was. 
And Andy um, Campbell, that, the shippies are, uh, I guess, pioneer. Yeah. You'd call him fucking what yeah, a maniac, yeah. one of the greats. Well, he he's the reason I went shit stands. Actually, that that poster of him that came out. But um, but anyway, they were way up the top at temples or whatever you call it, and uh, they were on like ten foot and eleven foot boards, like proper big boards, you know. And uh, he ended up down at outside corner, and I I remember paddling next to him, fully baiting him up to get this compliment of how good I am on my six eight, you know, and he's on his giant board. So I'm like, oh, how how big is your board, you know? <laughs> and sort of baiting him up to go, how big's your board? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, six eight, you know, and I'm still getting waves, you know, totally like, yeah, totally trying to get a compliment out of him, kind of thing. But um, yeah, then I'd probably surf for like six hours. By the afternoon, there was maybe. 20, 30 guys out, sort of settled down a bit, but um, but I had like four hours of 15, 20 foot all those just to myself. Yeah, fuck, yeah. that's mind melting. It's amazing yeah. that wave, its ability to hold swell of that size and and, and turn it into like a roping, rippable, yeah. sometimes barreling wave. It's fucked up. Yeah, yeah, it was just the just the most amazing shape. It was probably you know the best wave for for carving surfing I'd ever surfed at that stage. Yeah, probably probably still is actually. And ripping turns off a wave that's like ten to twenty foot. Uh, it's a feeling as exhilarating as getting pitted, isn't it? Like it's it's like right up there with the the peak experiences of surfing, doing high yeah. performance surfing on on a canvas that big. Totally, yeah. And I like these days. I'm I'm more inclined to chase waves where I can carve. Like on on rail is where it's at for me these days. You know, like. Um, like yeah, don't get me wrong. A good barrel is amazing as well, but um, I think I think the pinnacle feeling for me is being on rail. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, and Shorty. So what what's happened to Shorty? So anyway, so I get back on my bike and drive back to Cooter, and um, and I get stuck on this loop. Like like I've done it like six or seven times. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, like I was losing my mind. I was like it's so classic Bali. I'd go, I'd go down the same road, main road, and I'd take a right at this street, end up on this same loop. It was kind of like where Cooter meets Leggyan, and there's like this Oh, yeah, I know the loop. Everyone knows that loop. That that loop is like, uh, I don't oh, know, I think man. the Buddhists call that samsara, the, the the wheel of eternal suffering or something, but yeah, 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 dog chasing its tail. Yeah, yeah, and that's how I got. I got stuck on this loop, and I'd try all these. I'd go so far out of the way and end up back on this loop, this just, I was going crazy. Hey? It's perfect like, because you just experienced Nirvana. So now all things yeah. in balance in the island yeah. of the gods, you, you must experience Samsara, the, the polar opposite. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so it was exactly like one one height to the other. And like I was pulling over and sitting by myself just going, fuck, I'm, I can't do this. <laughs> I'm so off it. Because I knew I had to go that way and out that way. So this next time I just went, fuck it, I'm going left just to the beach and I'm just going to, I'm I'm done. And I pulled down, I think it was Poppy 2, and um, and I look ahead and I can see Shorty. Him and uh, I think it was Dino Adrian and um, the other guys. So I've just gassed it. Fucking Shorty, you know, flying down to find him. What the fuck happened? Where you been? All that stuff. And um, and so when he was taking off the night before, his plane got struck by lightning. And then so they end up not taking off and then he came early that morning or whatever. And um, so if he made it, I, I wouldn't have surfed all those. We they mm. all those boys went to Penang. And it was too big for Penang. It was just washing through. Mm. 
So I, I think they paddled out there, but said it was really bad. Like couldn't really get any. And, um, yeah. So then we were reunited and. Was there sparks there. coming off him or what? What's that? Was there spark? Uh, was there sparks coming off him? No, I, I don't know. He's always looked pretty red though. <laughs> yeah. Man, so, and yeah, no, yeah, it was good to see him. You know, after being on that loop, I was like, "Thank fuck!" And I'm telling you, I've been going crazy just over there. You know, it's wild, eh? Like yeah. everyone's been on that loop, and everyone's had that experience in Bali, and it yeah. seems to come on the that first, you know, or second trip there. Uh, yeah, just getting stuck and so flustered in the heat, and yeah, it can come on the backside of the most unbelievable session of your life it's so good that joint's just so cosmic and that's a cosmic start to your your time in the archipelago because from you know it ends up becoming a massive part of your life and your career and and probably the the greatest surfing you've ever done uh went down in the islands uh which features in your film one month on the one month on the moon i was just uh watching it before we had a chat to refresh but Man, talk it? to us. What's that? Did you find it? Online? Oh, yeah. Can Jimmy? Uh, Jimmy sent us a link. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, cool. He sent us. Oh, he sent us a, a few. Uh, you know, a few clips and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all pretty scattered online, actually. Yeah, but uh, the section that that matters was the one I watched, and that's that one in uh, I don't know. You call it Java Pipe or whatever. But fuck, yeah. man, like you talk about, you know, waves in the the ten to twenty foot range at Ulu's will like this is kind of as big and heavy and hollow as I've seen Indo hold. It's like properly 12 to 15 foot, like kind of double ups and uh, kind of looks like Westwell pipeline, but mm. maybe more of a rolling, but more of a fucking thick and sketchy and, and kind of cross offshore. Like, mm. yeah, just, a, just a sketchy end section yeah, and it's, talk it's, us it's through that session. Yeah, well, I guess we're only there. Like, I was there with um, Laurie Towner and Anthony Walsh. And Anthony, I don't know why, but he had to bail before that bigger day. Um, so, and we're all there because of Brad Masters, the photographer who's passed away now. Yeah, I used to live with him. Yeah, rest in peace, yeah, Brad. Right. Mm. Yeah, no way. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it, again, it was like this huge swell and. That wave was kind of on the radar a little bit around that time. So you guys were surfing it, and I don't think anyone had really scored it that good just yet. It's a weird wave. It's like it's got a few different sections, all this weird volcanic rock. So it's kind of like sketchy if the waves are going to line up or not. Mm. Um, so anyway, so Brad got in eight years ago there for this donk swell, and and we're all in and. Um, and we had a jet ski organized from uh, from somewhere. I don't know. I don't know where it came from, but out of the jungle or whatever. But the day before, we didn't have it. So um, myself, Loz, and Walshy paddled it. Um, and Walshy just cleaned up. He just he just owned the session. Loz and I didn't even get away. Wow. Like we just came in scratching our heads. Couldn't couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, so. Anyway, we we were like hungry for redemption. So Walshy left that day, and we were like ready, ready, ready for anything the next day, you know. And uh, we woke up, and it was just so much bigger. In if you watch the movie, you'll see all Walshy's waves of the day before, and then uh, and then anyway, the plan was to 
um, have masters on the ski shooting, and then we were going to paddle. And uh, anyway, we it was crazy just getting the ski in the water and stuff, rolling rolling it down this big sand dune, down logs and shit. And anyway, we got out there on the ski, and then just remember looking into these like it just looked like a fifteen foot Bondi rip bowl, mm. you know, like so thick and mm. thick and heavy for its size and. But also amazing. Like we we watch these waves and it's like holy shit! You could have just threaded that fifteen foot up for like a hundred meters. Wow! And uh, so then it then it worked out. The plan was that I would go and paddle a couple. Loz would drive the ski for Brad because the ocean was pretty crazy and there's like only a false channel and then it kind of goes into a beachy. There's not really no safe zone. So yeah, Loz was driving, Brad was shooting, and I was, and I was, I was surfing, you know. And like we're just sitting on the ski thing, but like, I'd still say the craziest waves I've ever seen, you know, like the big and um, like raw power, you mm. know, the, the swell was just so raw and just hitting this place with no, no wrap around any coats. Yeah, cool, cool, that's so. it. A eh? Java has that effect. Like it's that bit yeah. closer out to the, the trench there, the, the super deep water trench. It's got that kind of wobble like mutant yeah, version yeah. like nothing stopping it it wasn't wrapping around mm. it just boom straight in there fuck. and I remember just seeing these waves just like fuck like I'm shitting myself but if you thread one of those that is like the wave of your life you know and uh and that closing wave in the section um was the only one we paddled that day actually so I paddled it and uh and anyway we just started seeing more of them. We're like, fuck this. We're going to, we're going to miss them. So we just went, get on the rope and sent Brad in and, uh, and just towed for the rest of the session until the wind came up. Yeah. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, that wave you're talking about is, uh, yeah, it, it's up there with the greatest waves ever surfed in Indo Man paddled. Like it's so crazy. The kind of Bruce Irons esque little backside kick stall and then the thing blows out but you're kind of just pocket riding at that point and when you're watching it you're going oh like that was psycho like he fucking that was a, a charge but the the whole yeah. actual part of the wave the meat of the wave still to come and the thing yeah. just doubles up and goes thermonuclear mate what did it look like uh when you were squaring up and, and lining that thing up like the way it the way it bends and throws and double up doubles up through that next bit is so full on. Yeah, yeah. And I've still never had a wave like that. Uh, like I got back to the ski and Loz was like, "That end section is exactly right." Chose he's just ah, like just freaking out. But um, yeah, after that sort of kick stall, and then it was sort of starting to run. Um, it just drained out and I went down what felt like a 10 foot big bowl like mm. a like a cereal bowl kind of style shape because it just sort of bottomed out in that section so I went down that and then back up on onto the shoulder yeah so as I was going down I was just like squeezing my rail just going holy shit I, I didn't know what was going to happen yeah like draining out and sinking down in that one section um and just just hung on and let me just the, the vision was crazy just being in the back of this big basin bowl kind of thing yeah yeah wow. and i guess it just put me on the perfect line yeah it's crazy because as you're lining it up like and as you you exit the pit too it, 
like you said, it looks like a Bondi ripple. It's all churned up and unpredictable. Yeah. And like, as you were about to pack that thing, there was no guarantees that you weren't just going to wear a big chandelier on the head or, you know, something was going to just trip out and throw you over the handlebars. And mate, hate to think what would have happened to you if you face planted on that thing. Yeah. 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 It's really, it was really shallow. They end up later in the surf, end up getting slammed um on the bottom kind of like on my knees on my shins mm. and uh as i slid it just took these like you know five to eight mil you know three mil wide um like little incisions yeah just took the skin away oh and that was on like a that one wasn't anywhere near as heavy on the end section it's kind of like there's kind of these inside runners that run like a really long time they barrel and then that one i got peaked out on this whole new section kind of thing so um yeah i pr- probably missed one of the ways of my life going after because i after slamming the bottom i was so freaked out i kind of like shoulder rode one and it and that one just stayed perfect for like you know 100 meters it looked like just barreling behind me 12 foot wave <laughs> wow, that's you mean i just kind of hid that footage hoping no one ever <laughs> it, you know? but, yeah, uh, well played yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, it got to the point where Loz and I just lost the fire. The wind was coming up a bit and we just at the same time looked at each other like, yeah, I'm I'm kind of done here. Yeah, it, it's, it's heavy and windy, yeah. Oh, man, supremely dangerous surf. Like, you know, it, it's almost as though Indo's not, not set up to hold conditions like that and like yeah. you, you're rolling the mm-hmm. dice. Like, it, fuck, it, it, that's what makes it amazing. It, it's, yeah, it, it, it's as freaking like i said as, as wild a surf section as you'll ever see in indonesia and uh you know in the world for that matter and i will put a link to the the trailer or that section um in the show notes so crew can watch it but yeah, yeah. well done mate that's a that's that's something to really hang your hat off or your gaff off yeah yeah no yeah. gaffs though fuck fuck that no nah, a little ice cream bucket thinking about them lately though um mm. yeah i mean i surf with mullet lord brownie daniel brown a, a fair bit like we've been chasing some bombings and labs and stuff a bit off the radar and not shooting it recent years but um uh brownie one day didn't wear his helmet down the south coast hit his head and got knocked out no yeah so heavy um yeah so like but i've been starting to think about it surfing depot a bit and just like slabs on those bigger boards mm. you know, heavy board three inches thick with a Mate. fat swinger through it i'm thinking that, that the um speed the water's draining if this board hits me in the head i'm i'm dead seriously yeah. i think yeah. about that all the time like not that i surf those waves but i, I watch people surfing those waves and i'm like if that thing clobbers you like that's a fractured skull you think yeah yeah the 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 water draining off the bottom is that like knocked me out at um depot actually like Kind of, I airdropped into one and then it, I landed on my rail and then it bounced me onto the flat. And I thought I was all right, but when I landed on the flats, the water was going so hard up the face, it just took my board sideways. And then as my head hit the water, like it, it must have knocked me out because the next thing, my next conscious moment was um, I was sort of coming to on the bottom, getting pressed on the bottom. But oh. I don't, don't remember hitting the bottom and 
whatever was the water that was pressing me was starting to relieve. So I think I was already there for the brunt of it. Wow, man, that's so yeah. heavy. Yeah, because I mean, as we learned with uh Clara Grace, like it just seems to be a luck of the draw whether your mouth's open or closed uh, at that moment mm-hmm. when you lose consciousness underwater. And and if it's open, uh, freak man, you, you fill up with water so quick, you fill up like a, a balloon and, and just stay on the bottom. Like, yeah. uh, yeah. it's a trippy concept, even being knocked out underwater and how you survive that situation. Like, you would think that the moment you lose consciousness you would relax your mouth would open and then you, you're pretty well done for at that point yeah yeah i think there there must be some kind of triggers like safety triggers that keep it going keep it closed or something mm. the time, but um but yeah so that that was just the water and i thought far out if, if my you know triple six glass uh, that board i was riding was double six deck double six bottom it was just crazy heavy. Yeah, it was just built to oh, last. Gives me the heebie-jeebies thinking about that. that yeah. Amount, the but, thickness and what it would do to the human body. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, Yuck. So I did, I just bought a helmet, actually. Yeah, nice. Okay. Uh, like a footy player's kind of soft helmet, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see those ones getting around. How do they go? They, it's an interesting design, but it, it kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, I haven't surfed in it yet, but um, I've seen Lockie Rumbouts. Mm. Wear something similar, mm-hmm. not same brand, but but similar style thing. Yeah, but I put it on; it's really comfortable. Things yeah, better than the hard shelled ones. For me. Yeah, because you with the hard shelled ones, a lot of the time when you you try and you know dive out the bottom of one, they don't really let your head penetrate the water. You get these crazy neck cranks yeah, from yeah. them. Uh, imagine, a hey, yeah. lot of neck cranking I've, I've going never on. Worn one. Yeah. So, yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy that <laughs> given the waves you've surfed in your life that you've. Uh, never worn a helmet given i guess what we know now about concussions and, and head injuries and, and stuff yeah, like that man. but at the same time you, you you're lucid and you're sweet you know fucking punch drunk pikey yeah yeah but maybe i had plenty of hits to the head yeah yeah have y'all yeah well yeah i mean like footy when i was younger skating jumping off the rocks and stuff mm. like you know um and then surfing too, yeah. Yeah, I slammed mm. my face pretty hard at Crackneck one time and had a hole through my top lip here, like all the way through and kind of scalped me about an inch in there. And Fucking hell. Wow. So I, sh- I should be punch drunk, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one, the uh, the head injuries there. It, it, like no one ever gets to peer under the hood, do they? So it's hard to really know where um where the problems are being generated from but there's a lot you can do with head injuries and uh, yeah that book the concussion repair manual actually is mad like um concerned about uh the lingering effects of of head knocks i recommend you to read that and and anyone for that matter it's 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 quality just the the the, the, the idiot's guide uh the concussion repair manual by Dr. Dan Angle. This guy, he's been on Joe Rogan and stuff. And uh, it's just a really simple to read. It's like a, almost like a, a list article, but in book form of just all the, the various uh, methods of sorting your lemon spread out after it cops a yeah, flogging. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, talk to us about, so, you know, obviously you, you spent a lot of your, your time in Indonesia. You've, you're on Quicksilver at this point. So you've got travel budget and uh, you end up doing 
some of the most skits missions ever uh, in that part of the world with some of the most fucking core classic ferals. Uh, talk to us about Papua. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm a little bit reluctant, but I will. Um, parts of it anyway. But um, so it happened that uh, happened that these guys. So a couple of guys bought into Nirvana at one point, and uh, American guys. Well, one one was an Australian guy from the Central Coast, living in America as a lawyer, and um, and his mate as well. So they they bought into it and they got um which was great for me because I was getting a bunch of boards and Bill and I could just work on boards together. So it was a really good time um for boards and you know learning about boards too because we got to go go through so many. Um so anyway they got involved with these filmmakers who were who were working with um Travis Potter and yeah. he. Yeah, Trav's the man. Been... I've uh, traveled a bit with Trav uh, and Brad actually up through central yeah. Java and spent a yeah. heap of time with him. And uh, for those who aren't aware of him, he's uh, Californian and, and one of like, I reckon there's only him and Jim Banks who'd be like more across Indo like and, and guru, yeah. The, and, yeah. and fucking what was the other boat's name? Uh, Peter Troy, was it like, or Martin Daly? Like they're, they're all kind of in the same convo of guys who've just, it spent so much time. Like you can't fathom how much time and energy and effort these guys have spent mapping out, uh, in the. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Travis is just totally off the radar too. He's just so underground. Um, but yeah, I, amazing guy to travel with and, you know, especially Indo. In, the best in, in Indo. Like, yeah. He's the best. Speaking the language and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think, so Travis and these guys had done a film before up, up, um, oh, I think it was like that secret Sumatra zone. So I oh, think yeah. they had all that the, mapped out before. There's anyone there? The, the ride and, and uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah like second thoughts, right? Second, yeah. Second oh, thoughts. Then, then there was second thoughts. Oh, okay. Him, different one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So him, him and Timmy Turner, I think, yep. were the main, main drivers of it. Um, that, that was their own. I think they did that themselves. Yeah. But then he did started. I think it was after Second Thoughts he started doing um, films with these American guys. So anyway, Nirvana guys put me in touch with them, and they said we're going to go and map out this area. We're just going to go and explore and see what ways we can find. And I was just like, yeah, that sounds amazing. I mean, and uh, where we went um, was like pretty unstable. A lot of political unrest, and um, you know. And anyway, so the town we got to is right on the border and uh, we had to, we sat there for like three days trying to get a boat out of the harbour and on the streets there every day, there's like, you know, Papuans and Indonesians at each other's throat. Like, you know, it was full on. You could feel the tension in the air and um, I remember just being over it, just so selfish and just like, fuck this, I need to get out of here and go surfing and we've been sitting in this shitty hotel for three days you know and uh anyway we finally got a boat and then the plan was we had a we had a point where we could check out we could get a car back out um so we took the boat from from this harbor and then they we just drove along the coast looking to see where we thought oh yeah there might be waves here and 
you know, it's like up in Papua, like the, the jungle's hanging out over the ocean. So we'll see a wave and then we just poke the boat in there. We've got the boat kind of ready to go if, you know, shit hits the fan or we're not welcome. And Travis will go in on land and talk to them, say, hey, can we stay here? You know, we want to search for waves around here and can we use your boat? So that boat we got there with would go back to the harbour, you know, like four to six hours on the ocean and then we're just out there. So we were out there for X amount of weeks, two or three weeks or something. And then we'd use their their boat to search for waves and then go to the next village and then we'd use the next village's boat to search for waves in that area and, and so on until we got to this tech point where we could get a car back out. Um, wow. So just, yeah, unbelievable opportunity to go on this trip. And um, still so thankful to Travis and all those guys. Like, And uh, it was just surreal, really. We're just laying on a boat with like, I think there was, there was um, Travis, myself, Jimmy Rotherham, um, uh, Jennifer Usseldinger, Hawaiian girl, yeah, Jimmy from El Salvador. Josh um, Fuller. Yeah, Josh Fuller, yeah, yeah, and that was it. So there was, what, five of us, and we had the same amount of filmers, another five filmers. Wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're just on these little outrigger boats. I remember just we've got music playing, just just cruising along in the tropics, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. It was just, just unbelievable. And, didn't really find too many waves the first part, but then we ended up finding this island with these incredible waves. And um, and anyway, sort of wrapped up that whole trip and everything. And then uh, I I was going back there every year for the next eight years, camping out there for like a, a month at a time. And uh, all the, all in the meanwhile, these guys are making this documentary and. Uh, I just they showed us a few little promos and things, and it started to look really political. And uh, I I had exchanges with them saying, "Hey, like this is looking really political. I didn't sign up for this." And I was reassured, you know, no, it's not not political at all. It's just a surf documentary, da, 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 you know. And then uh, we did a few more trips to film a few other things, and um, anyway, so eight eight years later, this movie comes out. And uh, they've got like Ryan Felipe behind it and all this, you know, huge Hollywood thing. Um, it's all about like stopping the stopping the political unrest there, you know. And like I thought I'm just doing a surf travel docket, you know. So then fly over to LA and go to this premiere and it's like Andrew's gone back to suss out the root of the problems and painting, like fully framing me as this like political activist, you know. And, wow. Uh, yeah, and like for you know, and being the face of this huge movement, which I didn't didn't agree to, you know, like I I didn't understand what's going on up there, so I can't say I can't even comment on what's going on because I had no idea about it. And then I'm suddenly the face of this thing, and then I'm getting all these warnings. Oh, don't go back there and all yeah. that. Like, well, I've fallen in love with this place. I've been going here for nearly a decade, you know, at least a month a year. And uh, so, yeah, and then I started getting... Man, hold on one sec. Can I just hold on one sec? Yeah. Sorry, man. I've got to go as well. Oh, you do? Perfect. (laughs) But, yeah, so you can imagine, like, you know, I'm sitting in LA. After having emails with these guys going, hey, this is looking heavily political, 
you know, I don't, I don't, I didn't sign up for that, and I don't want to buy it. But you know, I'm falling in love with the place. I want to go back. You know, all that stuff. And so you can imagine me sitting there in this cinema. You know, well, yeah, they had it was like this out, out, open kind of screening thing, and you got like Ryan Felipe and these Hollywood people and all these people that got behind this movement. And uh, and then I'm just watching myself. You know, they're talking about me as if I'm the driver of this whole thing. You know, and uh, and you, you know, Travis and I haven't really spoken since either. Um, because I think he he knows he threw me under the bus and he ended mm. up going to all these talk shows and things, or you know, all the American um talkback shows and stuff, and talking about it. And I tr- I tried to send him all these emails and contact him and call him and everything, and uh, just just nothing. So our friendship just kind of ended. And I wow. think I think he didn't answer or get back to me because he knew the position he put me in. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. really interesting, man, because. The film itself is actually one of the best surf, like it's the probably the best surf journalism that's ever been done. And it's, it's like, even just as ju- far as journalism goes, like I actually have never seen footage from within West Papua in the form of like news um, or, or like a documentary, because, you know, uh, for those who aren't aware, like West Papua, it's half of Papua New Guinea, but it's owned by Indonesia. Uh, and it's essentially like West Papua is today's version of East Timor. Like it used to be East Timor that Indo owned because of its resources. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. they were locked in this separatist or independence fight as well. And in West Papua, yeah, they ban media from going there. Um, and it's kind of unbelievable that you guys were granted entry but it kind of makes sense in terms of you know you went there uh under the guise of making a surf film and uh yeah. Yeah, what I you was... found along the way was, was radical but man it's a sick film but it's a yeah. it's as heavy a film as you can watch and it's it's really one of the, the the great untold stories on the planet like there's nowhere that gets less press than yeah. uh the the, the genocide in Papua, like even in Africa and, and, and you know, stuff yeah. like that, cobalt mines in the Congo or whatever, like even that's getting publicity, but no one talks about what's going on in Papua. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and this is, this is kind of why I didn't want to talk about it. Cause then I'm sort of here blowing the lid on it and face mm. that a bit. Not, and I want to go back, you know, I was hoping mm. to get back this next season, but I guess it's because of the repercussions. Like, um, you know, people people being assassinated for you know um doing way less than what I was perceived to be doing, mm. like way less, you know. And um, yeah, so I guess I guess that's why there's pe- people getting killed over it. So uh, by you know blowing the whistle on it, or if they blow the whistle on it and go there, that's that's what tends to happen. So. Oh, it's gnarly, man. Yeah. yeah. Freak. Like, I, I want to go back and I, you know, I wasn't the, I wasn't the sort of perpetrator of those activities that I was perceived to be doing. Yeah. So, you're just going surfing. You're, you're just yeah, an innocent exactly. bystander trying to get a bag full of cones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's all I want to do now. I just want to go back and get barreled really and, and see friends that live there and all that stuff. So, yeah. I was know. I was chatting to Marty uh, Paradisus, one of your good mates and uh, one of your travel partners on a, on a few missions up there, and 
he was telling me to ask you a, a, about the time that you guys got super pissed and then went to church the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, I'll just get some light here. Hey. Um, yeah, so we um, wow, we got maggot on this duck because the Dutch used to used to you know the Dutch colonized there first or mm. or whatever. Um, I'll oh, just throw on the candlelight so I got here. Um. Yeah, so there's all this. Um, even on the first, the first place we went to with with Travis Potter and and that whole crew, um, we end up drinking this Geneva, this old Dutch, like clear clear alcohol. I don't know what it was, but like psycho hangover, like terrible stuff, you know. But these these guys were just pulling it out of the jungle, Geneva, this Geneva alcohol, and cans of coke. Wow. And like, there's no roads into these places, no, nothing like that. So I don't know, we we're tripping out where they're getting them. But um, but anyway, uh, yeah, we had a guy, you know, who was preaching to us. He was kind of like our guide, and he was preaching all these Christianity and stuff. And and when we we're drunk, with me, Marty Paradisus and Stu Gibson were like, "Yeah, we'll come to church with you tomorrow." Yeah, yeah, all this shit, you know. So fair enough in the morning kicking us in bed like you guys come in church is about to start yeah 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 no worries and then um so we go in sit in this little tiny shed like in the tropics you know there's no there's no shade on this shed or whatever it's just a shed in the open sun so we sit in there and like like three hours have gone by you know and we're that we're fading we're like sickly hungover and our guide guy, because we couldn't speak language, our, our guy who was guiding us, he, he keeps getting up on stage and all this hallelujah and all this kind of stuff, you know. And we just, we didn't want to be rude, but we didn't know mass was over. Like it was over. And then these were these hardcore people still in there, like doing all their thing, you know. So we could have left like two hours earlier. <laughs> <laughs> sitting in this like Fucking 60 degrees. Dying of a fucking Iraq hangover or whatever the fuck yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. As bad as those hangovers, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. But that that Especially trip is amazing, actually. And uh, and so you also mentioned that um, Stu Gibson had a sore throat, and they tried to perform an exorcism on him, or something. Yeah, yeah forgot about that. Eh? <laughs> yeah, it was all it was all a hallelujah and get the bad spirits out, and yeah. Well, the bad um, spirits are just all three, so they weren't wrong. I guess they could just sense it, or maybe they could just smell it on you, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially Gibbs. He's got some bad spirits, I reckon. Mm. But um, yeah, they had they had him up the front doing all this stuff on his neck and like singing and yeah, it was crazy. And what about like I mean, give us an idea of the place. Try uh, try and paint us a, a picture uh, of the place, like just some of the the wilder things you've seen. Because I know they've got all those kind of like hill tribes and like it's you know mm. probably the most untouched and uh remote place on earth like apart from like regions of the amazon i guess yeah they're there and um the islands of papua new guinea i reckon or where i've been anyway um it's just they're just out there in the jungle you know um but there it's like there's just one road that goes around the coastline kind of thing and then, it, then it's kind of steep um and I mean, it changed a lot over the years. Like when we were first, it, that trip with um, Stu and Marty, like we couldn't get food. So we were living on like oh, one or two bananas in the morning and then we were going around to 
people's homes and getting leaves and things that they'd grown. Then we're getting a bit of rice and eating these leaves. So when we first went there, that's that's what it was like, you know. Then every now and then we'd get eggs and um, like we're we're pretty hard up food, yeah. Fuck, that's crazy. Like, yeah, now there's like markets and things and um, even little restaurants and stuff. But I remember the one year, like, they all got TVs, you know, because we were going back each year. The next year we came back and there's TVs. And it, you could see it was terrible for society. Like, before that, everyone was outside fishing, building canoes, whatever. The TVs came. They're just sitting inside all day watching TV. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So that was, a, that was a really weird change. That's fascinating, man. It's like you're, cause you're watching them go through like fast paced development. Like they're literally going from yeah. a way they've been living for thousands of years. Yeah. And then they're yeah. stepping into the modern world like almost overnight. And so you get to see in this really perfectly illustrated example how toxic certain yeah. Western trappings are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the TV, the TV was a huge one. You just saw it just, everything changed and and like the vibe was different too we're the the fur the earlier we were going there the more welcome we were and then it seems like i don't know just got a, a bit of a darker vibe as time mm. went on maybe after the tvs i don't know but <clears throat> but it definitely changed the whole dynamic of how they'd operate and everything like day to day was completely different mm. started watching yeah. fox news didn't they yeah, yeah, and they all got aggressive after. True. And uh, I remember Marty saying too, like uh, maybe it was even that trip that you guys were like waiting for a swell or something and he just got like super violently ill, I believe. Oh, man. Yeah, we both got so sick. Um, So we were like, we, we hadn't really scored and I was trying to tell these guys like how that's a bit better. Like how good this wave gets, you know. We've got to score this one certain wave, you know. And we we got other good waves, but there's this one sort of jewel of the island. And um, so I strung them along for like another two or three weeks, and every swell that came was onshore. And like Gibbo was getting over it, and I like every day I'm having to talk to talk them into it. You got to stay longer, like if this wave gets incredible, blah blah blah, you know. And I was like maybe the third swell that came that that had good wind and uh so anyway so we just had this like yeah then marty and i got like crazy sick like the sickest i've ever been had and like he still gets a bit sick now hey and i reckon it's i reckon it's still from that it's interesting you say that because uh yeah travis also had cerebral malaria which he got in papua and like even watching your film, like man, there is creepy crawlies and weird mosquito viruses and all kinds of tropical shit that we're just not cut out to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Well, Marty and I got sick and um, came home, got a blood test, and they tell me they go, "Oh, we don't have a name for what you've got," and I'm like, "So you don't know what I've got?" Is what you're saying? And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we've never seen it before." They, they knew it was a mosquito-borne virus. They wow. That by its characteristics, but didn't know what it was. But, yeah, Marty and I, so then so then this good swell came, and Marty and I got sick just before it. And, like, fuck, so sick. Like, we didn't eat for three days without sick. And uh, so what would happen, 
but two days we'd surf for like six hours each day and um like the waves were that good yeah i don't know where the energy came from but just yeah so, so what would happen Stu would go check it and then he'd come back and go yeah it's, it's like really pumping show us some pictures on his camera he took we drag ourselves out of bed and then once we'd see it we just started fizzing like you know six to eight foot perfection you know and uh somehow we'd surf for yeah six hours straight we just couldn't go in and then um and then just come in and crash just come in and re-die again pretty much um but yeah we did for two days i don't think we did top turn or like or a cutback we'll just just six to eight foot barrels for two, two days straight. Yeah, the only ones on this island with surfboards. Fuck, that's so yeah. crazy. It, it also speaks to the power of the ocean and perfect barreling waves to be able to wrench you out of that level of sickness. Like that, that's trippy shit, man. Like there's, there's not many things I can think of um, that you could really do. Or, or... yep. Hello. Yeah, you're just chatting out. Oh, yeah. Uh, it says my internet connection is unstable. Maybe I've got to go back to the uh, the house. Um, but, yeah, I was just saying uh, it just speaks to the power of of surfing, like that it can rip you out of a sickness that severe. And just like, what is that? What is that cosmic force that somehow keeps the spirits high and the energy level high just simply from parking yourself in the tube and charging your crystals yet more evidence of the cosmic significance of getting coned well yeah yeah i agree with you because like yeah i i was like I, I wanted to die already you know we were that we're just that uncomfortable and not well so yeah fuck no <laughs> i don't know i don't know what can do that i, yeah. I know what can do that but i don't know how you know yeah, that's crazy and and dangerous yeah. too. Like to be exhausting yourself when your immune system's so low like that, and um, and you're just so depleted, man. Could it could it gone real pear shaped? Yeah, yeah. But I I I do think that's why Marty still gets a bit sick, hey? Because I years later I was kind of the same and um, got I tried to go healthy actually. Went from like you know macas every day and cigarettes and all that to like. I was with a chick who was doing this vegan stuff and I was like, yeah, I'll try it. But anyway, got really sick and subsequently end up doing all this cleansing and uh, then I stopped getting sick like I was. You were having recurring bouts of that same virus, huh? Because I was just like Marty. I was just getting sick when I, you know, I was just getting sick all the time. Mm. Maybe like, maybe he's not the same anymore, but, but I was sick more than anyone else around me until mm. I did that cleansing. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, he definitely does struggle with that. That kind of ulcers that that come up when he's run down, and uh, it, it's heavy. It, it's heavy, yeah, it man. sucks, man. It's fucking yeah. like uh, chatted to him a bit about that and kind of trying to brainstorm some solutions. And um, yeah, it's a weird one because. I have experienced like when you live in chronic inflammation, like chronic stress. Uh, that can manifest in constant sickness and, and chronic inflammation can be created by, um, you know, uh, e external factors like anything from old trauma to family issues, but it can also be created by fucking shit food and not getting enough sleep and like, you know, so it's interesting that you were able to purge yourself of 
whatever I that virus your, was. Your internet's a bit on the PSA. Okay, let me. Yeah, so we're just talking. Uh, I think before it cut out, just about the the nature of chronic illness and uh, yeah, those mosquito viruses can keep coming back at you. And uh, it's interesting that you were able to get rid of it through cleansing, man, and, and just I guess through the diet that you were on really supercharging the immune system to the point that it eventually like just wins the arm wrestle against whatever the fuck's living inside of you. Mm, yeah. 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 Was, yeah. That was a pretty wild time in my life actually having a friend because I didn't, I was going to the doctor and they're like, like I was eating food and then I was like swelling up in my gut and then it was coming out. Like I just chewed it and spat it in the, in the toilet. So the doctors, yeah, the doctors are like, oh, don't don't eat ice cream or drink soft drinks. And I'm like, okay, so you've got no idea what's going on here with me. And anyway, I end up just, you know, on this big mission to like draw toxins out and kill parasites. And and the whole sort of, the whole process that goes without having to like flush out your liver and keep things moving because once the toxins go into your organs that your organs kind of don't really like passing it. So I had this, just learned so much about my body and then this whole cleansing journey. Yeah. It was amazing what you can do with your body. Mate, that's fascinating. That really is. Yeah. It is amazing what you can do with your body. I've spent probably the last five years on this kind of biohacking trip. Uh, you know, there's so many podcasts out there. Dr. Mark Hyman, Drew Peroy, the Hoobman lab, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, like all these like leading scientists in this field of health, wellness and biohacking. And it's amazing what the body is capable of if you curate the right environment uh, within it. And, and mm -hmm. if you, you know, really get the diet right, get your sleep right, control inflammation through whatever means necessary, which generally boils down to, you know, ice baths, meditation, Wim Hof, all these things are all about reducing inflammation and, and, and stress uh, because when those things are high, you're just sick. You're sick yeah. and uh, you're mentally and stress physically is. unwell. Stress is such a big one. Oh, it's, it's the biggest. Yeah, man, so nasty, so nasty, and you can never get well, especially if you're dealing with chronic fucking yeah. mosquito-borne yeah. viruses. I almost feel like you can, you know, like, you know, maybe getting barreled like we're talking about. If you're getting that barreled every day, you can probably have a shitty diet and all the rest, and you're just so stoked and not stressed out that you, your body's functioning right. That's interesting, man. Yeah, because there is that theory, which does hold true a lot of the time, where... You know, when you're surfing good and you're in rhythm with the ocean, it feels like the rest of your life kind of falls into place and is in flow too. But at the same time, like the inverse of that can also be true where you're surfing too much and <laughs> your fucking ordinary life just goes to absolute seed. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, also like, uh, I guess those peak experiences, chasing peak experiences, chasing, um, you know, hollow or consequential waves all the time can kind of lead to adrenal fatigue and inflammation of its own. Mm. Have you experienced yeah, yeah. much of that? Um, yeah. I mean, like there's definitely been times, you know, where I was burnt out on chasing big waves. Um, not that I, like, I still love the waves. It was more just like going, having to always leave and go somewhere. And like my mates at home were going to, this party or that do that you know and um 
I just wanted to be involved in that because I was away all the time, you know. Um, but as far as the come downs, though, I don't know because I could get have one good session getting barreled. I'm pretty high for the next month. Mm. Pretty just in good steed, you know. Good the positive vibe kind of lasts and lingers. Um, so yeah, I find I just find good surf lift me up more than anything. Yeah, that's interesting because you're so skilled at it. Maybe that's because, um, you know, the lack of a come down might be associated with the the lack of fear and the lack of the kind of uh, fight and flight mm. stress response. Like, I guess other people, mere mortals such as myself, when uh, waves are hollow, there's a fair bit of fear involved in that. And that that's part of the thrill. I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's a hard balance. Like, um, you know, you, you want yeah, to be... I'm, I'm shitting myself, eh? Hey, you are. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. interesting. Oh, full on. Yeah. Um, Dan Brown and I were talking about it, Mullet Lord. Um, you know, we mainly connect when there's a swell and we go, we do a few bombings and stuff we surf. And um, every time we're shitting our pants, you know, I see him call and I know there's a swell coming, but it's kind of like, fuck, you know, and I like, even last time we went down to the depot, for example, that that night before, I'm I'm freaking out. I'm my head is racing on all the worst possible scenarios, like, and they just compile, and I just and I just think of what if this and what if that, and all, and I start imagining it, and like create this hole of fear in my mind, you know. So I think it's, I think it's more like confronting the fear and moving through it, and then the other side of it, I'm I'm on this huge high because hmm. um, we've talked about why why do we keep doing this why do we keep doing this when we're so scared you know? <laughs> yeah. i think it's confronting the fears yeah the big that's, part of it. that's interesting man uh talk to us about you know confronting your fears in, in waves that have barely been surfed or at least not surfed at the size you were surfing them like i'm talking about some of those early missions down to Tassie, uh, you know, you were right there on the pointy end of what was going down at, at Shippies. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to us about um, some of those early forays into uh, Tassie. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, the first time I went down, I think I was 17 and um, just saw that wave of Andy Campbell eat him up. There's like a poster probably a poster in every mag or covers or whatever. And uh, for whatever reason, like I was, I don't know, I was, all I wanted, I was doing the junior series and stuff and I was just kind of over it. And um, I think it was a big, big ego thing for me. I just wanted to prove to everyone, yeah, well, look, look what I can do. You know, we're surfing two foot manly, fuck this, so watch me kind of thing. So I was riding for bodyguard wetsuits at the time and I told the team manager, I want to go surf Shipstone. And he goes, Well, we've got a team rider down there, Marty Paradisa. I'll I'll link you guys up. He's a great guy, I'm sure he'll have you. But yeah, it sounds good. So I just rang Marty out of the blue and just you know Marty pretty well. He's just the most accommodating human you'll ever meet. Yeah, yeah, come down, yep, yep. No dramas whenever you want, all that stuff. So so I didn't even know how to read the chart, like synoptics or, you know, there, was, there wasn't really like all your um, wave height charts you have now online and stuff. So I just went down there and um, and I'd been, I'd partied pretty heavily for a few nights prior and I was 
and I'm getting on this plane going, I can't wait to get to Tassie and just relax, you know, just chill out and surf and stuff. So Marty picks me up and he goes, oh, we're going to my mate's 21st. Um, do you want to, want to come? Like, we've got to go straight there now. We don't have time to drop your board home. We'll just leave him in the car, blah, blah, whatever. And I'm, I couldn't say no. I'm, I've just met him. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, and I've pretty much been on a two day bender, you know, we just partied a lot. And, but that was the introduction. We went to this party together and, um, and then I pretty much spent a month down there just going to parties with them, just surfing all the average beaches and stuff and, um, and left not even going down a ship turn. Just, just became one of the crew, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, then the first time I surfed it was, uh, when Andy was down there actually. And, uh, yeah, so that was pretty cool. We're both like I was um, lining up to get on the plane in Sydney, and Andy was sitting right there, you know, and and I was too scared to talk to him. Eh? I was just like just wigged out and just looked at him. Yeah, that's funny because uh, this is after you two had that pretty crazy session out uh Ulu's as well, right? Uh well, yeah. Well, that was no, that was on my own, really. Yeah, uh, right, no, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he wasn't. You had a brief chat with him out there though that day. You're saying, or no, 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 oh. he wasn't there. No. Oh, right. No, so the first time I'd seen Andy Irons, yeah, he's. Oh, he's, oh he's, Andy Irons. Sorry, Irons. I thought you were talking yeah, about Andy yeah. Campbell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, Andy Irons. Sorry, yeah, I can yeah, yeah. Confusing, yeah. Yeah. And we were sitting there at the gate, you know. Oh wow. Sitting like looking straight across. Yeah. You know, we we're literally looking at each other like that. No way. And I was just too scared to talk to him. Hey, I'm just like. So I just see him down there. And yeah. We ended up meeting at the airport when we got to the other end. And, um, but yeah, that was the first, first session. Oh, okay. Um, so, and, uh, I'm just trying to think, yeah. And he got some crazy ones. He towed a few crazy ones that day, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And Laurie, was that the day Laurie got a really crazy yeah, one? Yeah. Laurie, Laurie got two sick ones. So, um, so we got down there. Yeah. And, um, like, to answer your question, yeah, I was I was just ready to rock and roll. I I I got down there with some local guys early out in the Billabong boat, and um and paddled out on my own. Had no one no one to show me where to sit. Someone just yelled out, "Oh, there's a boil! Sit on the boil!" <laughs> Sweet. And, uh, yeah, and a bomb came, and I was sitting on like the the section where you get barreled, <laughs> like after the step, and I swung, and I'm paddling hard to go for it, and it's just. 15 footers just drained out on <laughs> straight over the fall. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh... And I remember, I remember the local guys in the boat, you know, I'm paddling back out and I remember him saying something like, oh, we've never seen anyone go over the falls like that and paddle back out, you know? Yeah. Like, well, I haven't got a wave yet, you know? So, um, but then, then I got a couple and snapped my board. Um, and then Loz and Andy paddled out, um, so I was sitting on the ski and watched Loz, like, Andy could have gone that first one and Loz just, Loz went, you know. I think Andy was still, like, feeling, like, wasn't sure about it. So I guess me and Loz, the youngest guys, maybe we're just ready to go head first into it. And uh, so he got that one where he come off the bottom and then he kind of body surfed into it. And then um, and then he went back out and Andy turned and another bomb came and, and Loz just swung and went, and um, that's the one he got off the step and off the bottom, and he didn't quite make it out, but like 
did all the hard work and rode the barrel, you know. Yeah, so I was front row on the ski just watching that and um, kind of wondering if my first wave looked like that too, you know. Mm. Yeah. So. What's the what's the dynamic like out there uh, with AI? Like, you know, what's the chat like? Is he um, you know, is he super supportive and, and encouraging in, in conditions like that? Yeah. Oh, he was he was cool as yeah, just cruising hey. Um, just just was a good vibe really. Yeah, and he was like, he didn't seem like overly hungry or he needed to get the best wave, whatever. He just seemed like he was cruising and just happy to be a part of the day. Um, but uh, yeah, far out. He partied hard that night. <laughs> Next three days or something, hey. Fuck Crazy. Yeah, wow. we're done, and you know, it's like two days later, he rings Polly, one of the guys, an ab diver down there, who's um got one of the boats that all the boys go out on, and Andy said he hadn't stopped partying. That was like three days later. Yeah, he's doing um. Wow. He's on the Goldie for the news about his session down there, and yeah, but but he was super cool. We had a we had a great night that night. Um, yeah, yeah, he just seemed like one of the lads just just happy to be there kind of thing yeah. that's rad man that, that's a super interesting story to you know to hear hear what he's like when he's in in his natural element but also you know actually not natural element kind of removed he's he's, he's in another person's culture and, and another you know way of life and he's like yeah totally totally down to connect and and, and be humble i guess totally and the, and the more i think about it now like um you know just just not even on the radar to be too cool for anyone. He's happy to meet everyone. How you going? Genuinely interested in, in each and every person I saw him talk to, you know, like, yeah, it seemed really cool. Yeah. That's sick, man. Yeah. I mean, my limited dealings with him was exactly that. Like he always treated like, you know, he would treat battlers with a lot of respect. Like he, he would treat, yeah. you know, I remember being at J Bay and, and just watching the way he would treat the, the African staff and like just the, you know, people who could use a, a bit of a pep in their step. Like he could sense that and he'd, he'd, yeah, he'd yeah. do that for him. I really admired that about him. I think that too. He was quite aware of everyone around him and, um, and just, just genuinely kind. I thought, yeah. Um, mm. yeah. But yeah, that and, was pretty cool. Mar- Margo was on that boat. Um, Paco. Um, yeah, it was cool. Man, what an experience. Mark Matthews was down there. He was chasing it pretty hard at that time, yeah. Wow. Man, that's cool. iconic. It doesn't get any more iconic than that, really. Yeah, yeah. And, man, yeah. um, Gubs as well. Like, uh, I understand you're, yeah. you're on hand for, you know, what was maybe the first proper crack at that wave. People might not have heard of that joint, uh, but it's, <laughs> it's mm. a filthy, lethal slab. Pretty well toe only, right? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I can't. I mean, maybe some boogers have had a go at paddling it, but maybe they didn't even get to the bottom. Um, but yeah, yeah, pretty much. It like breaks pretty much onto a rock. Like it's yeah, it's way scarier than chippy. Way scarier. Um, and when you like when you're towing in, it's kind of like. Um, supers down at Borley, how how uh, the water coming off that rock, like it's like a shorey, you know? Mm. So when you're towing in, you're in this big trough and all the water feeding the wave is 
kind of high, like towards the beaches higher than you are. And then that sucks down these rocks and you're kind of in this trench. So you don't really know where this island is, this dry island that, that it kind of breaks onto. Mm. And um, yeah, but that day was pretty crazy. It's it pretty big. And I remember like Marty and I were telling each other, it was so cold too. I remember sitting there waiting for waves and just freezing, hey. And, you know, Marty's driving and, no, nah, no, nah, not big enough. No, nah, no, nah, not big enough. So, fuck, we've been sitting here for 40 minutes, you know. And, uh, but, yeah, so I remember, I think Marty got the cover of surfing life or something. But, one, he just faded so hard. I remember looking down off the top just thinking, fucking Marty's psycho, you know, just fading right in front of this rock. And he faded so hard when he passed it, he just pretty much went up and over the falls, but made this crazy photo and crazy sequence of it. But there was one point he got washed onto the rock and he he was, I remember him sitting on his ass on the rock with his feet, his legs straight out towards the beach. He grabbed a hold of his leggings, pulling his leggy really fast, trying to get the wave, get the board back to him. And a 10 footer has just detonated like right behind his ass and just blown him off the rock. Like, Oh my god! One of the craziest things I've seen in my whole life. Hey, if that Man. if that was like broke in a meter more, it would have I don't know what it would have done to his body. You know, it would have just slammed him on, onto the rock. <sighs> like you know, I don't know what it would have done to him. But lucky it was just behind him. It just blew him off. Like, man. That's unbelievable. Like yeah. y- you see the water, the the sheer physics and, and the magnitude at play in in conditions like that. I mean, you watch Kirby Brown's film, and there's a lot of waves and, and situations like that. And you know, all that energy has to go somewhere. And often, you know, you've got a person like Marty, yourself, Kirby, who's like embedded in the lip, going over with it, and, and you just constantly wondering, like, you know, how how does anyone survive that? Like, yeah, yeah. You're just hoping for the best. You're just hoping that bit of water doesn't go straight to the bottom. You're hoping it cushions or you get flicked out the side or something. I I think um Mikey Brennan broke his back on that wave too, on that rock, yeah. Oh no way. Yeah, so it's oh, like man. not really on the top of my list to go back to, eh? Yeah. Oh. And and surfing it for the first time. I mean, did you have some serious reservations? Like when you're buzzing around out the back looking for a set, are you like in your mind going like, I don't know if this is really doable or like had you already spent enough time scoping it from front on where you were like, you know, certain that there was an entry point and an exit? We scoped it a bit and those boys have been scoping it for a while already. Um, But I'm pretty sure I was first on the rope. With Marty and I, so I felt like a bit of a guinea pig there. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've been looking at this for ages, mate. No, it's sweet. You'll go first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it was just, just kind of pulling in hoping for the best, really, because I didn't, I couldn't tell where the rock was, the way the water was washing up onto the island and then back down. As it was coming in, it was just gurgly water, and you're just reading the wave going, okay, I want to be deep. So I look like I'm threading it, but I want to know I'm coming out of this thing. Now. Um, yeah. But have have you seen that that photo of Marty on his Instagram way back dragging at the bottom of one out there? Oh, uh, I've like, seen a bunch of photos yeah. of him out there, but yeah, I can't remember that exact one. Crazy. Yeah, there's this photo. It just blows my mind. And knowing the wave and seeing Marty just at the bottom of it on the flats, like 
both arms in the water dragging and it's like just the thickest wall of water and there's this rock in front of it you know yeah he's, he's just hungry for a piece of it you know he wants to get in there. <laughs> oh my Crazy. god yeah i mean people would remember this wave uh it, it's often features with a surfer getting barreled and uh you know if it's shot from the shoulder looking down into it it's like it looks like a guy's basically skirting bone dry rock like yeah 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 that's the one he's got some shots like that fish eye shot yeah yeah it it looks like a total death wish kind of setup yeah i think there's a photo of a guy um who lives down there on the east coast tassie andy holt on his back end Sure that's the different. iconic photo from there i'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. Seen, well, yeah, the, the photo i'm thinking of is the backside photo yeah yeah crazy hey crazy man yeah, it's okay. like the first time i saw that which was probably i feel like i want to say it was like 10 years ago and i was just like the fuck's yeah. going on now like what are people doing out yeah, there this yeah. is this is Why? not even sur- is this even surfing anymore what is this yeah yeah crazy yeah, shit i went pretty far i mean look at kirby he's like the prime example of as far as you know taking it that far yeah, absolutely, man. That's for mine one of the greatest surf films ever, uh, if not the greatest. Uh, Chasing monsters or whatever yeah. it's called. Um, yeah. Fucking think, just, man. just mesmerizing. Uh, you know, just beautiful. Uh, yeah, what a film! What a surfer! <laughs> Fuck, man! Like, and it's cool. You were totally a part of that exact same movement. Um, I guess you just kind of jumped off the tow rope a, a bit earlier but uh you know i imagine you would have shared many a session uh with yeah, kirby well, and those guys yeah, over the years rounds was trying to get me over there a fair bit actually we've, we've got a pretty long history there you know like um writing for SMP back in the day right yeah but yeah more recently he was trying to get me over there to um surf all those waves eh? and i said oh, i don't i don't know about surfing that that bone dry left up at calbarry and then he oh kind of stopped writing back to me eh? <laughs> <So he> was, <laughs> ghosted you fucking pussy you know oh man yeah, yeah. it's crazy that that wave uh that opening sequence in that film at that wave is just as hair raising as surfing gets and yeah. the crazy thing is too like that's not the wave that ultimately nearly ends him it looks like it should be but he gets whipped out there he gets flogged and, and he's sweet they're kind of laughing about it like yeah, but yeah. that wave just seems Again, like not really a wave until he's weaving through pits like it's Tumis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he actually threads them, eh? Yeah, it's real surfing. It's not just like you know, some stiff-legged mate. dude, you know, barely holding on in yeah. the the jowls yeah. of some psycho slab. He's like weaving and compressing and like getting mental reads on. John, that's John Wheels at um Piyama bombing. Yeah. <laughs> What a madman, man! It's such yeah. an epic, epic lineage that we've got in this country. The, the slab surfer, like, uh, yeah, yeah it, it, it's the the peak of the sport in my opinion. It's the the kind of the Mount Everest kind of shit. It, it's so deadly, but so yeah. captivating to watch. Yeah. I love it for sure. I mean, especially when it's good too. Like some of the waves Russ has had captured down at Depot and stuff. Like amazing stuff. You know, it's big, heavy, scary, but so beautiful same time yeah all yeah. those things wrapped in one yeah morgs is one out there oh man that that's a cosmic wave poor morgan's wave uh morgs, at depot morgs is another like you know certified psycho yeah he's, he's an animal yeah 
just amazing though that you know he put so much time in out there and you know his kind of careers passed him by he's a tradesman with two or three kids or whatever and and then he gets the wave of his lifetime yeah yeah but i feel like i feel like that's probably an average way for what mogs has had you know like he's interesting done heaps of time in hawaii paddling big stuff and and these are all times like like all my career too like we we weren't getting filmed we were seeing photos so like you know i'm sure like all the loves have seen footage of what some other ways we look like and and i'm sure morgs would be really similar like he like him and jug were chasing crazy waves heaps down the bottom of wa and stuff like you know those like all the ones kirby's chasing um and i think they're just getting photos taken you know mm. so i don't I, I just can't imagine like for me, if I think of Morg, he's he's like a Kirby or a Junhead or someone, you know, who's really yeah. Interesting. Not, not to be forgotten, you know. Mate, he's so under celebrated. And that that, yeah, that, yeah. that wave at Depot, you know, in the context of who was out there, how busy it was and how fucking technical and psycho that wave was, mm-hmm. it just yeah, it reminded me. I was just like, Wow, yeah, Paul Morgan's still out there doing it. What a yeah, madman. Yeah. And that's him like fresh off the job site, right? It's not like yeah. he's going to be super surf fit and like strong in the right places. Yeah. Like he's, he's lifting tools and timber and, you know, it makes you strong in the wrong places. <laughs> being on the side. Yeah, swinging a 10 to around, like knifing it. It's so yeah, crazy, yeah. man. Amazing, amazing. Well, man, I'm going to let you go, but uh, thanks so much. Really appreciate your time and everything you've done in surfing. It's I can be a hell of a journey. I'd love to get you on again sometime, maybe even on a live show uh, next time we're passing through the zone and, and relive a few more war stories because you got fucking many, many more, yeah, I understand. Yeah, there's some, there's some ones I'm thinking to tell. Actually, we'll, we'll catch up again, man. Let's, let's have another crack at this, man. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, sounds good.